are listening to another episode of Assurance in Action, the podcast that covers key assurance topics brought to you by Intertech. My name is Jessica D'Amico. I'm joined today by Rhiannon Parker, COO of Intertech Crystal, and Andy Jane, Intertech Crystal security expert. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for having us. Um, actually, really excited to talk about all things uh, travel risk management and and security in hotels. So uh, from my perspective, hotel security and, and I guess security within travel and tourism in general is, is one of the most interesting parts of the job. And um, I find that I've, it's actually one of the areas of our business that I've learned the most about. Um, and I think we'll talk about this in a minute, but I've learned a lot from Andy and and the perspective, just kind of starting out thinking that hotel security was just about, uh, you know, terrorism and and different types of threats like that. Um, but it turns out there's a lot more to it. So, Andy, did you maybe want to start by just giving an introduction to what you know a day in the life of you know auditing and assessing hotel security looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's an interesting topic within hotel security, and you know, it's one that's certainly been improving uh, over the last few years. Uh, but I think prior to that, it was always, you know, a, a, I guess a kind of, you know, we have to do something. So, you know, we'll we'll put a few cameras up, or we'll put some security guards on the gate. But there was no real you know, in-depth understanding of, uh, I guess, the wider aspect of security. And for a long time, I think you're right, things like terrorism and, you know, extremely high impact uh, incidents were, were were seen as, you know, the, the, the leading factors. And if they hadn't happened in that country, then the attitude was was largely, well, we don't really need to do much because it's never happened here and it's very unlikely to. And I think changing that, I guess, perspective on security and going more down the the education route and explaining, you know, there's a lot more to it than that uh, and understanding risks that face not only your hotel, but your region and, and what could affect your operation as I guess has proven key to, uh, you know, to really pushing the understanding of security within hotels uh, and certainly within all different regions. So one of the things we really look at uh, is not only the, I guess, the physical aspect of security and of course lots of people would would define that as how many cameras they have up or you know, barriers and whatnot, but really delving into the understanding of uh, first of all of you know, diligent risk assessments and making sure that whether it's a global chain or, or an independent hotel, that they have correctly risk assessed um, their property or their operation and they're focusing their security efforts and more importantly, their security budgets on, on things that are relevant to them and essentially not wasting um, any budget they do have or resource they have um, in areas where they don't need to. And from a security check uh, perspective and, and, and what we've been working towards prior to the pandemic and with all of our clients is really getting that understanding of it's not about how many guards you have or how many cameras you have or, you know, the, the more 
I guess the more superficial side of of what they can put in their properties, but having a detailed understanding, training your staff, uh, whether that's security staff that you're you're directly employing, uh, but also the importance of security awareness training for for general staff. You know, these are individuals that are in and around the hotel all day, every day. Uh, and for the most part, should any form of security incident take place, they're going to be the ones that are, are are there and are seeing it and 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 hopefully reporting it. So it's been an interesting journey, and one that unfortunately, post pandemic, I think is going to be set back quite a lot. Um, and certainly, what we've seen is when incidents such as COVID uh, arise, the security budgets are, are, are very often the first to be cut. Um, going back to the example I used earlier, um, in that if it hasn't happened, you know, it's not really important to us and therefore, you know, we don't so much need to worry about security. We've got more important things to be dealing about. So I think the next few months, the next year, uh, assessing you know where the where the industry stands and and I guess just how much of a step back it's taken from a security perspective is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I was just thinking about so um, you know within within the work that we've done over the last you know twenty five years, we we've done over a hundred thousand audits and um, assessments of hotels. So when you get up close and personal with that data and and I guess the you know the the risk and the findings and things that we see there's there's not much we haven't seen over the years um and I think you know it's interesting working in this role in the in this industry a lot of people when they know what we do okay well we go in and we do surface testing um and and we find some very interesting findings to say the least on on surfaces and um, in the realm of security, we see a lot of uh, a lot of things that just fundamentally change the way that we view these spaces, right? So, people ask me a lot, like you know, there's some things that you can't unknow. Um, so I'm just super interested, like when you travel with your family, uh, what are the things from a security perspective that you're looking at or that you observe just after all the things that we've seen and and I guess the good, the bad, and the ugly. So. Uh, yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, there's lots there's lots of little things that, you know, that hotels already do and they may not see it, uh, you know, as a security function that they have. And I think one of the biggest things we, we see is hotels will spend lots and lots of money on the most up to date uh, electronic entry uh, locking mechanisms for guest room doors. Which is great, and you know exactly what they need to be doing, and um, and, and provides them with you know really robust uh, systems across their hotel. However, you know one of the biggest thing biggest things we pick up when we certainly when we're doing security check audits, or when I stay at a hotel, is you know we look at ground floor rooms, and they've spent all this money on 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 primary entry points into the room. But nine times out of ten, you look at the the, the secondary doors, so balcony doors, sliding doors, uh, whatever they have, um, and for the most part, there will be the very old style kind of push locks or 
you know, in some cases we've seen just hooks that are, are, are hooking on to, to the, the, the side of the wall and can be opened very easy from the outside. Uh, so, and that's just a good example of, you know, one of the very small things that's overlooked. So even if a hotel, you know, really says, well, you know, we don't do much for security, they'll already be doing something. And I think it's a, one of the biggest aspects of security check is just helping them, I guess, harness all of that information, but backing it up with robust policies and procedures. And again, I, I guess when you are conducting these audits and you do uh, stay at hotels and, and certainly ones you'll get, you're taking your family to, you, you can't help but, but look at things you would normally check while you're there conducting audits. And depending on the region you're in, let's say you were holidaying in, in North Africa, in uh, Egypt, in Tunisia uh, or, or Morocco, um, over the past few years, they've very much focused on, on physical security and you know, a very overt presence of security to make guests feel safe. And, and of course, again, a, a big part of uh, the security audit is reviewing all of that and making sure it's actually relevant to the site uh, and is performing in such a way that is providing a layer of protection to guests, staff and property. Um, so yeah, I mean, you certainly, I think when you when you are conducting audits, you see the most polished version of the hotel because, of course, it's announced and they know you're coming and they're well prepared for it. But when you, I guess, when you do holiday in in these destinations or you are just staying there in in any other capacity, uh, one of the most interesting things is seeing how they operate day to day when they know they're not being audited. Um, and we, you know, we certainly see that we we stay in hotels as we move around that we may not be auditing um, and whether, you know, all of the, the well presented um, security staff that are normally on the gate when you're conducting a robust audit are no longer there when you're not there to conduct an audit. So yeah. I, I guess from that perspective, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that struck me in in looking at our data and you know a lot of the, the work that we engage in is is almost like the regional trends, right? So um, I remember a bunch of conversations we were having in 2019. Um, I think that was an unprecedented year um, in the Caribbean for I think it was physical and sexual violence, right? Um, you know, so there's a lot of different things that don't hit the press or don't hit you know, I guess the mainstream media that we're dealing with. Um, but it just really reinforced the importance of, like you said, okay, well, where do you place that budget? What what do you focus on? And it isn't just, you know, a one size fits all. And I think that's something that that global brands really need to reflect on. Like, yes, it's great to have standardized procedures and things like that, but there is a, re especially with security, um, and, and personal safety. There is this regional specificity to what is going on, the trends, um, things like that, right? Uh, and I remember there was an incident, uh, and, I, and probably because I'm a parent, I, I feel like becoming a parent has really changed the lens through which I view things, but uh, looking at things like child safety and security, right? So do you, do you know the incident I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think you're touching on one of the biggest issues of, of security within the hotel sector, and that's the reporting of incident data. And the problem, I think, when you are, are approaching a new hotel or maybe one that hasn't 
so much conducted any form of security operation in the past. It very much feels like scaremongering. But actually, when you look across the entire spectrum of security across a certain year, you can pretty much be sure in most years that you will cover most things. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that all hotels are going to see all of these things happen. But when you start looking at violence towards women in hotels, you know, unfortunately, uh, extreme violence uh, and extreme sexual violence towards women is recorded uh, within hotels. Um, and, and 2019 was, was certainly no exception to that. <clears throat> and we saw some pretty significant cases um, that occurred uh, uh, globally. And of course, as Rhiannon just mentioned there, child safety you know, is a huge part of the, the, the security audit process in safeguarding procedures uh, and, you know, it, and certainly anything to do with, with lost <clears throat> or missing children. And there have certainly been you know, many incidents where individuals have either tried or succeeded. Um, and you know, one specific incident, as you've, you've highlighted there, was um, a, a middle-aged woman walking in to a hotel all caught on their CCTV system, um, walking into a children's club and, and seven or eight minutes later walking out with a, with a small child uh, and then subsequently out of the hotel. But no one really batted an eye because it didn't look out of place. Um, and, and when she was walking past the security staff, you know, a, a middle aged lady with a child didn't seem out of place to them and therefore they weren't stopped. Now, luckily, th that individual was found quite soon after uh, by the police. But it's just another example of why these procedures are needed, no matter how unlikely any given risk may be, you know, unless it can be completely ruled out, there's absolutely no reason why that is not highlighted in your risk assessment. And of course, if we look at the more extreme end of, of the spectrum from a, a security risk perspective, of course, terrorism and, you know, uh, active shooter incidents and all of these things, of course, they are important to highlight and you should have emergency procedures in place to deal with them. And I know different governments have been pushing out information to try and educate general staff on and hotels on, on on what they need to be doing and and abta also advise on you know emergency procedures to be in place but it's everything else that you know that comes before that and you know i've been to hotels before to conduct audits and I've, I've asked them, I always ask them, you know, when was the last security incident that, that took place here and do, do you record incidents and, and can you take me through them? And the security management team have said, we, you know, we don't have security incidents here. You know, we never have, we, we, we don't have a problem with security. However, we have had lots of stuff going missing out of rooms. And it's just, a, it's, it's an interesting response. And then when you explain that, of course, theft of any kind, whether that's internal or external, is is a security related issue and, and one in which they should absolutely be recording. Uh, yeah, even I think, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, there's and this is talking about kind of our physical, personal, you know, well-being and, and safety. But a lot of the stuff that we also see go on is it, you know, touches in the cyber realm and data. Um, and that that's a huge aspect of of the risk that you know resides within the hotel environment um 
And so I don't know if you want to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting one. And I'm certainly not saying that, you know, there are there, there are not very, very good you know, data protection processes out there within hotels because there are. And when you look at global groups, you know, they very often have very, very good uh, cyber security policies in place and data protection uh, plans in place. But what we do see and we see quite frequently is once you get down to site level, in some cases, corners are cut. And for, I guess from a cyber perspective, because you know you can't see it it's generally overlooked and it's not seen as as such a big issue uh whereas you know we know there are they are a lot more likely to encounter some form of of cyber related attack than they are physical and the data protection side of it is interesting and again differs greatly from region to region and <clears throat> trying to explain that the moment you copy um, you know any form of of official documents so the copying of passports although it's very much being phased out now um, by electronic systems was was a very big part of what hotel receptions did and you know we've conducted audits in hotels where we we've come across doors that are open where they've had bits of paper folded up holding the door open that were actually copy or passport copies of, of the photo pages of, of guest passports uh, and, and trying to explain that you know the protection of data is such a huge issue right now and they they have to have very very robust policies and procedures in place um, has, has proven quite a challenge um, but like I said at the beginning there certainly you know big hotel uh, global chains have very very good processes in place but sometimes when you get down to site level um corners can be cut and you know and we and we do stumble across these things quite often mm. yeah and i think it's simple things even like you know lack of security around <laughs> passwords or um i mean there's just you know it's not the big stuff that tends to fail it's it's the simple decisions you know phishing scams and you know different things like that so um but i think you know one thing that we've been talking a lot about um you know in regard to the work that we're doing around disability inclusion and and some of the more you know the things more focused on um yeah diversity and inclusion is you, we've got a lot of brands that have embraced uh kind of these new value systems and are are looking to um engage in inclusive marketing and and trying to engage a wider consumer base which is amazing um but i think what we're seeing is that there's not um i guess the the systems their health and safety systems or their risk management systems are not keeping pace with the evolution of this diversity, right? Um, and so when we look at security and we look at the risk that is unique to a disabled guest, for example, we've seen some really interesting things where, um, you know, I remember the one we were talking about where we saw this amazing, you know, accessible room installed and, and how fantastic that is. Um, well, actually, I'll let you talk about that one because you were there. Um, but just how important it is to, to make sure that, you know, if you're diversifying and you're um you know attracting a, a wider base of consumer how important it is that your risk management systems align with this right yeah absolutely i think first and foremost you know 
hotels that their priority is to you know is to provide the the best possible service to, to guests and we we certainly see even from a from an access perspective they are getting better and they and they are trying and in this instance and certainly in regards to security one of the big things we look at are their evacuation plans not just from a fire perspective but also their emergency evacuation plans and how they would effectively <clears throat> discharge guests from the hotel should they need to. Uh, and in this case, they had spent lots and lots of money on transforming rooms uh, to be accessible um, and they had done a very good job and were very pleased, quite rightly, very pleased with the work they had put in place. But when we got to the point of walking their evacuation plan, uh, and them talking us through exactly how they would action that should they need to. All of these rooms have been converted uh, on the second floor, uh, which is great. And then when we got talking, they were explaining their evacuation route and how one of the first first things that would happen is the elevators would be shut shut down, especially of course if it was a, a fire related incident. Uh, and then, of course, I think the penny dropped that. If the elevators were no longer available, how would they uh, evacuate disabled guests from the, the second floor? And it was a consideration that hadn't really been thought about, I think, up until that point. Um, and I guess it goes back to certainly the planning phase of, of, of anything that they're implementing, uh, whether that's uh, updating their rooms uh, or implementing any kind of 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 emergency uh, response plan or evacuation plan uh, and ensuring that they are thinking about all guests all staff uh, and everyone in that hotel i think that was just a great example of very very good intentions um but i i guess a lack of of planning in the initial phase and I mean, that's very consistent with uh, a lot of the processes we see across you know, the spectrum of physical security and, and particularly technology. Uh, and cameras are, are, are a great example here in that hotels will spend lots and lots of money on cameras that they don't need, or they will use, you know, in some cases, um, the same individual that's advising them on you know where they should put these cameras and how many they need is the same individual that's selling them to them. Um, and, and a great example of this was was seeing extremely high grade uh, PTZ cameras, you know, placed a meter off the ground at the front gate, just looking at a, a at a bit of tarmac and a gate. And then when you go down to their beach access, which was you know the best part of a hundred meters long, they just have a very simple fixed point camera at an angle looking down the beach. Um, and again, it, it just reinforces the fact that that initial training and understanding and planning of not only you know conducting their risk assessment but also implementing their security plan uh, has been one of the major things that certainly that we've we've stumbled across um, in all the audits that we've done and, and still very much do. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really going to be interesting once we do get back to full auditing again, once the world starts to open up, just to see you know, how much this has been maintained and, and if there has been any significant changes.
Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see. And um, I think what's been interesting during the pandemic, too, is just it's almost a, a, a well, I think it's quite a significant shift in the traveler psychology. Right. So I look at myself. Um, I look at, you know, probably many of us on our team, um, you know, we eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. Uh, you know, it's our jobs to look at risk and manage it. Um, but when I prepare for a holiday or when I used to, um, that that wasn't a factor that I was looking at. I wasn't going and combing the data to see, you know, if there have been any safety incidents or fatalities at a hotel. And, and to be honest, from what we know about incident reporting in the industry, I'm not sure that that stuff would come up. Um, but the shift that we've seen towards um, you know, people really caring about health and safety and, you know, looking for those metrics and looking for that information, um, you know, at the level of the hotel, it will, it'll be interesting to see how this all evolves. And if there is kind of, um, you know, more of a push for this type of stuff. So I don't, maybe that's overly optimistic to think that that will happen, but I, I think it's important. And uh, when you look at, I guess, again, getting back to this traveler psychology, I think for some reason there's this assumption that in five star resorts or, you know, the higher the luxury, the more safe and secure they are. And that's not what our data tells us, that the data tells us that these types of um, issues or incidents occur across the full spectrum um, of hotels and accommodations. So, um yeah, just I don't know what you think about that or, you know, if there's some comments on, you know, what we've seen in luxury versus lower end or, you know, what goes on there. I think that's a, that's a hugely important point in that, I mean, it, impact and likelihood is is very important for hotels, operational teams to, I guess, to understand, certainly when they're going through their their risk assessment process and I guess putting that point across that no matter how unlikely you deem it to be or just because it's never happened here doesn't necessarily mean that it won't <clears throat> and I think looking at five star and, and the higher grade uh, properties you know they're, they're certainly not exempt from this and I mean we we've seen this across the board um, and it was a, a very easy to get to place in that if we we look at a certain risk and say, well, you know, there's no possible way that could happen, therefore not really going to consider it. Uh, it did tend to happen a lot. However, just like you mentioned about COVID and, and the fact that, you know, guest perception of risk has now very much changed and everyone knows what a QR code is and, and how to approach them and, and find information. I think it's safe to say that that after certain incidents from a security perspective, certainly in, in 2015 onwards, that, you know, the traveller's perception of, of security related risks certainly increased as well. And, you know, people had a, a much keener understanding of security related risk um, and, and therefore expecting it from hotels. But yeah, I, I don't think that's a challenge that's going to go away. And certainly, you know, we've mentioned the lack of, of incident reporting across the industry, but but really stressing that point that conducting a robust risk assessment and not ruling things out just because they seem too unlikely is, is key. 
and you know it doesn't have to be very extreme it doesn't have to be about a particular incident you know we've certainly come across this when asking to see emergency procedures and the response being well why do we need those um you know we we, we don't need to implement them because we'll never use them um and of course you know for the, for the most part hopefully they 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 probably won't but I think as with everything in security, I don't think it's ever fully appreciated uh, until it's too late. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, the, our conversation today has been very focused on hotels, um, but I think it's worth noting that there's some very interesting developments in the industry right now. So we've got the impending um, release of ISO 3130, which is, you know, guidance to be released on organizations' responsibility for when they send um, their employees on on business or organizational uh, travel. Uh, and yes, okay, so you, you've got the hotel environment and the accommodation piece of it, but all of the things that we've been talking about from the perspective of personal safety and risk assessments and all of that also apply. And we see some, you know, some pretty incredible things happen and, and the risk that people are exposed to. Um, and one, I guess one of the areas that fascinates me the most is, is kind of the, the awareness or the regional, again, getting back to this regional specificity of risk and, and um, I guess the outcomes when people are not aware of the environments that they're heading to and whether that's the cultural norms, whether that's, um, I mean, it can be all types of things, but I know that you have a lot of expertise in that area. Did you want to talk about that for a minute of like the importance of that that pre-trip planning and, and proper uh, travel risk management beyond the physical environment of the accommodation? Yeah, it's just a very interesting subject area in our perception of risk per region. And of course, it's very easy to think that, OK, if I'm going to... Uh, North Africa, okay, you know, that's high risk because in my mind, I know that, you know, something terrible has happened there. Therefore, <clears throat> that's a high risk. But if I go to a European city, you know, that's relatively low risk. And although we, we know that absolutely not to be the case, certainly within with, within this industry, that's, you know, generally how, how it is looked at, where in fact, you know, you can't get away from security related risk no, no matter where you are uh, and again always going back to the importance of of a, a detailed uh, risk assessment and just looking at the i guess the example you used there and, and 3130 coming in and the importance of, of pre-trip planning um, of course understanding your environment um, and, and ensuring you know that you have the correct information you have processes in place uh to 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 deal with incidents should they arise no matter how small i mean it could be something as very basic as as losing a, a an important document like a passport all the way up to being you know accidentally caught up in in something whether there was uh, protests or whatnot going on in in that country it's it it's important to understand the environment you're traveling to and very often we we see that that's a process that just doesn't take place and any form of awareness training beforehand just isn't there. But yeah, also yeah, and I think um, getting back to that concept of the evolution of, you know, not just the, you know, the leisure traveler, the business traveler, you know, that's becoming more and more diverse. And so you see, I think the number is like 62 uh, jurisdictions globally 
you know, still criminalize same sex uh, relationships, right? Um, so for the LGBTQIA community, you know, knowing where you're traveling to and the, and the legislative environment there, um, you know, for the disabled community, knowing, um, you know, what's going on in destination and things like that, it, it's, it's really, really significant for the outcomes of personal safety. Um, but we see this even in, in very large organizations, not not doing a great job of that or kind of reflecting on, you know, the even the reputational risk um, coming back upon the organization if something uh, were to go wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, hugely important for standards like this or guidance standards coming out like 3130 to shine a light on this area and, you know, really push the the, the need for organisations to, to be doing more. And you know, I certainly think it's going to be a hugely positive thing for, for, for all aspects of, of travel risk management. And certainly the section in there, as you mentioned, that puts the spotlight on accommodation providers of, of all types uh, can only be a, a good thing. But of course, to make that work, you know, developing and continuing that uh, awareness and understanding uh, is going to be crucial and security is is one of those areas that that is a constant and it's never going to go away and you know whether that's from the very basic day-to-day -day issues that you would that you, that you would incur right up to the more extreme end of the spectrum um, hopefully we will eventually get to a point where all accommodation providers, uh, hotels, vacation rentals, whatever it may be, business travel, um, that we're all looking at it from the same perspective, that detailed and robust policies and procedures, and just as importantly, training and understanding are, are implemented at all of these facilities. Yeah, and I think we have a lot to learn from some other you know other industries i know i talk a lot about you know oil and gas and and the culture of um, incident reporting and transparency and kind of sharing lessons learned amongst different industry participants um so in travel and tourism i think we've seen a couple you know major we, we know why we have empathy or sympathy as to why it is tough to you know to transparently share those incidents because we've seen um single incidents lead to you know, the, the effective shutdown or closure for multiple years of a given uh, region, right? And so that that's, that's tough. That's, uh, you know, it's scary. Um, but I think we have a lot to learn, you know, if, if an industry like oil and gas can share transparently on incidents and near misses and, um, you know, things like that, I think we as an industry can do it. And I think there's a lot to gain from that, right? Because if we start to see trends and we can, um, do a better job of benchmarking and understanding um, that would go such a long way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think, you know, the moment third party independent inspections became a thing it, within the hotel industry, um, you know, I, I think that was a great step towards achieving that. Um, and, you know, the importance of of third party inspections, I, I think, can will always um, will always drive standards. And, you know, we've we've seen that uh, across many organizations over the past few years and, and hopefully over the coming years um, that really continues uh, and all 
chains, organizations, uh, and whoever it may be, really pick up on this and, and continue to drive standards forward. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I guess we've we've set out our wish list for the future. Hey, we're eternal optimists. <laughs> Yeah, and why not? I think I think it's important to be. Of course, you know, there are lots of things that that happen year on year that that are negative, and you know that's that's the nature of of looking at security related risk. Um, but you know, le looking at the lessons learned from those incidents is is crucial, and uh, evolving the security plans and security operations of of hotels around the world to hopefully help further mitigate that is you know is, is one of the leading reasons on why we do this and and you know hopefully that really continues in in years to come yeah well i think that's a great note to kind of close things out on we will see how that goes and how our our predictions come to light but uh it's been awesome talking to you as always likewise uh, i'm optimistic <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, after after the last eighteen months, you know it's um, it, it's good to to really start focusing um, or switching focus uh, and getting back to ensuring standards are maintained. Agreed. Thank you both so much for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about security in the travel industry or Intertech Crystal, please follow the links at the bottom of this page. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.